Welcome back to Kimmel and Cox, your source for all things entertainment. I'm Keith Cox. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Dylan Kimmel. Happy New Year. Yes, Man, Happy New I can't Year. believe it's already 2023. You know, the, I know. The, yeah. You know what the, the worst part about getting into a new year is, is is learning to write the new year whenever you're yeah. writing the date down. Oh, that's, always, yeah. that's always like the part that gets me is, is uh, it's like, I feel like I just got used to writing 2022 and now it's 2022. Now, now it's yeah. I had it the other day. I was writing on, on, in my little journal and 2020, January 1st, 2020. Oh, no, no, no. no scratch that out. <laughs> so how was your new year's? What did you, uh, what did you end up doing? Um, it went really well. I um, I ended up going on a little bit of an adventure, you know. Um, I decided I'd go and uh, just explore. I didn't go and, um, I mean, the other night. Didn't go I to any asked, parties or anything like that? Not really. I mean, I did go to certain towns and stuff and started looking around and everything. Uh, but it, I didn't really party any. Yeah. Uh, I'm not much into the, I'm not in the party scene yeah. really. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm out of the kind of out of the party phase myself too uh we uh cynthia and i ended up just having a quiet evening at home uh just uh it was really really just the two of us uh our uh, youngest daughter uh kelsey was there too but she was she's a big gamer so she was she was upstairs playing video games (laughs) uh but but she stayed up uh till midnight so that she could uh you know wish us a happy new year and everything but but yeah we just we just chilled there at the house and, and uh, watched some of the New Year's Eve specials uh, that were mm. going on. Of course, the classic, you know, the Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve yeah. uh, on ABC, which it's not what it used to be, you know? It's not yeah. like, I, I, most of the time, I don't even know the artists that are on <laughs> there anymore, you know? Right. Uh, so, you know, so that, you know, that we kind of weren't really digging that. And then we switched it over to uh, the Miley Cyrus uh, New Year's uh, special that she oh. was doing with Dolly Parton. We thought we'd huh. check that that out for a little bit, and then we were kind of like, eh. you know. So we were just like going back and forth and watching different, uh, you know, different specials and yeah, uh, and seeing like you know who the who the musical performers were on there. And all I, that. I must be so out of the loop because uh, I did not even know that Miley Cyrus and Dolly Parton were doing something together on yeah. New Year's Eve. Well, there, yeah, there. She, she, she's uh, a Dolly is actually granddaughter. Yeah, Miley's, or not granddaughter, uh, um, God, God goddaughter. Yeah, yeah. Probably so, old enough to be granddaughter, but but uh, but we had we still had still had a good evening. We went out and uh, you know got some wine and and uh, you know did did a little uh, toast at midnight and and all that good stuff. So it was you know it was a nice evening, but. Uh, but anyway, if you missed last week's episode, be sure to check that out. Uh, we talked about the Knives Out uh, franchise, uh, the uh, series of murder mystery movies uh, starring Daniel Craig as uh, Detective Benoit Blanc. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, those are both really, uh, really enjoyable uh, movies. And so uh, we enjoyed that a lot. Yes, they're, they're quite fun. I, I do enjoy them. <laughs> they're, they're, they're really good. He, he had a little <laughs> bit of a, he had a little bit of like a foghorn, leghorn, yeah, was, southern accent going yeah. on. He's like, I say, I say, I say, boy. I say. Uh, but no, those, those were both really fun movies. So be sure to check out that episode. <laughs> 
And, uh, and uh, just want to remind everybody again, uh, be sure to follow us on all of our socials. Uh, we'll have those links down below for you in the video's description and on the bottom of your screen as well. Uh, and uh, be sure to, uh, you know, not only subscribe, like, and share, which is uh, the three big things uh, for us. It's going to help us out a lot to really uh, keep this podcast going and, and building up a following and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and all that. But, uh, but, you know, we want to hear from you. You know, we, oh, yeah. we, we, this, is, this is not just about us uh, discussing our favorite movies and shows or actors or whatever. Uh, you know, we want you to join in on the discussion with us. Oh, yes, uh, please, so. please uh, leave, leave your comments and stuff and, and you know, get, get in on the action. You know, we want to hear from you. Yeah, leave, you know, leave those comments on the, uh, you know, on the YouTube videos uh, or on our socials. And we will do our best uh, to look at those and maybe even talk about some of those questions uh, while we're recording, uh, you know, the uh, current week's episode. Uh, and uh, and be sure to check us out, too. Uh, you can also listen to us uh, on a lot of different platforms. And again, uh, we will have those links uh, for you on the bottom of your screen. So uh, so check those out as well. Uh, but today's episode, uh, we are going to be uh, discussing uh, a movie that uh, just came out actually a couple of months ago. Uh, it is called uh, The Fablemans, uh, which, uh, according to uh, the synopsis, is loosely based on uh, director Steven Spielberg's childhood uh, from the ages of 7 to 18 and uh, dealing with not only his family, what it was like growing up uh, in his family, but it's a sort of a coming-of-age story, too, and, and how he came to decide that he wanted to be a filmmaker uh, at a very young age. Uh, so uh, so let's, let's get into The Fablemans. Uh, Dylan, what were some of your initial uh, impressions uh, going into the movie when you saw it? Well, um... I'll start with actually when I first saw the trailers. I know you had a hard time actually. You, you didn't even see the trailers for it. Yeah, I had not seen any trailers for it. Uh, didn't really know about the movie because it apparently it didn't get a wide release. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was only uh, released in select theaters. So I, I until you had mentioned it, I had no idea that the movie existed. It's very odd for a Steven Spielberg film too. No one even knowing. Right. I mean, he usually uh, does everything big yeah well um when i saw the trailer i was i went to go see um the remastered of avatar i believe it was the remaster of avatar when i went no okay no it might have been it might have been a different movie it might have been black panther um anyways i went to go see it the trailer came up and i felt this weird sense of deja vu like this feels like me in a way, right? Uh, it felt very personal in a way. Now, you, could I'm see, not, you could see some, you could see some parallels yeah. in his story with yours because obviously, I'm, you know, you you want to be a director. That's something mm-hmm. that you know that you uh, that you wanted to knew you wanted to do from a very early age. Yeah, um, and in a similar way that he changed the names of the characters to the Fablemans instead of it being you know the Spielbergs. 
um, I get the the sense of you know me just saying I, I felt like I saw myself and I'm I'm kind of leaning on the whole the reason why he changed it is because he didn't want to seem narcissistic. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, um, I I feel the same way just saying that alone. Like I felt very that there was some personal things in there about me because I feel like that's kind of narcissistic of me to say something like that and um I mean but uh when I watched it I kind of teared up I was like this is me anyone who wants to know who I am would have to watch would just have to watch this movie to actually if they want to know me yeah uh I'm not Jewish but um, but similar to um, Steven Spielberg, I was bullied in school. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, I think um, you know, with a really good movie, we can always mm-hmm. take something out of that that oh, we yeah. can relate to, find mm-hmm. some something that applies to to our lives and mm-hmm. our stories. Yeah. Um, um. Like like I've said many times, um, a movie is just an uh, is just looking into someone's soul basically i I think it's uh Mm -hmm. very often a a mirror it's sort of a a reflection Mm -hmm. uh sometimes of our lives or or look into yeah uh, other people's lives and and honestly i'd have to say with the fablemans it was a big fat mirror for me it was a huge mirror um and um i mean so I, I even messaged my mom and my dad and I'm saying, this is me. This is absolutely me. And my mom messaged me back saying, it is you. Mm. Um, that That's just from the trailer alone. And crying from a trailer. Yeah. It's like you know the movie is going to be yeah. you know, outstanding if you're already uh, that moved, you know, just by a trailer. So Yeah. And I was, and then I went and saw the movie, and like like we mentioned, it was a very slim release, and I was the only one in the theater for maybe a great chunk of the trailers, right? And then the, just before that movie started, like, uh, I mean, I said it before we started recording, that um, I sat there and I started thinking to myself, hmm... Well, I guess I could, you know, get on my phone a little bit here on social media and, you know, just start, you know, scrolling through and, you know, looking up stuff. Most of the time when I'm watching a movie, it has something to do with the movie itself. So some part of my brain is not actually focusing on what's in front of me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's only like halfway there. Like, okay, yeah, I understand what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's no connection with the movie. Yeah. Now, um, but but there was some sort of divine intervention because there was one person that just came in and sat right behind me and right behind me, not even in front of me, where I could have been on my phone. Yeah. Me not know. He was, I was uh, in front and he was behind which means I can't have my phone out. This guy, I respect the people in the movie theater, unlike some people. Yeah, <laughs> um, so uh, I, w- I was like, I can't have my phone out. I have to, I have to watch you it. You can't distract someone else from their 
movie going mm-hmm. experience. You know, you don't want to be that person. You know that yeah. that uh, that their phones going off and and all that. So and me being the only per- me and him being the only person there, he would be inclined oh, yeah. to yeah. call me out on it too. I'd say. But um, uh, well, so the so the official synopsis uh, of the movie. Uh, reads as follows growing up in post-world war ii era arizona young sammy fableman who is uh, supposed to be steven spielberg aspires to become a filmmaker as he reaches adolescence but soon discovers a shattering family secret and explores how the power of films can help him see the truth and i think that's a really good Mm -hmm. uh, sums up the movie uh really well uh, and just a little disclaimer before we go any further, and we've mentioned this before, uh, we are not a spoiler-free podcast. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, don't go any further. Don't watch any further. Go watch the movie, then come back and watch the rest of this episode because we're going to be giving away a lot of uh, plot points uh, mm-hmm. as we uh, discuss the movie. So. Now, I don't think that was much of an issue with the, the first couple of episodes because they were older movies. Yeah, you, you, yeah, at least the assumption is with, with movies like Indiana Jones, you, you assume that more people have mm-hmm. probably seen those movies than, yeah. than something like this. Yeah. Uh, but uh, lo- love the opening uh, of the movie. The movie opens with uh, young uh, Sammy Fableman uh, at the age of seven uh, who is seeing his first movie uh, with his parents. And uh, the movie that they uh, happen to be watching is uh, called The Greatest Show on Earth, uh, which actually is a movie that I have not seen myself. I've not seen Uh, it either. But just based on the clips that they showed... Uh, from the movie, I was like, I'm kind of want to check that out now because uh, this was in uh, 1952 is is where the movie starts, and and I was thinking from what I saw of that movie, like being made in the 50s, uh, it, it had some pretty pretty cool like action sequences for that time period. It looked like they they used some kind of revolutionary uh, effects, you know, for that time period. Mm-hmm. So I can see why. Uh, Sammy or Steven uh, was greatly affected by that, by those images on the screen and, and seeing that uh, train crash and how that impacted him. It was like, you know, seeing that on the big screen, like it was frightening to him at first, mm-hmm. uh, but it stuck with him. And it was like, he couldn't, he couldn't forget it. He couldn't forget those images. And that ultimately inspired him to want to make films himself because he was he was scared, but at the same time fascinated by yeah. that. Yeah, and eventually he ends up uh, he, because uh, he and his family are Jewish, and so they celebrate Hanukkah, and so they you know they get a gift for each day of of Hanukkah, and he decides that he wants a train set, mm-hmm. a little toy train set for Hanukkah, and so he gets he gets like a new. You know, like one day he gets a caboose, and then another day he gets you know like a like a dining car, and then like the just slowly yeah, builds up the different pieces of the, the train, train yeah. and he builds it up slowly over time. Yeah. And then he you know he starts playing with the train set, and he wants to try to replicate that crash that he saw in the Greatest Show on Earth. 
And but when he does it, because because he's associating that with what he just saw in the movie. So when the train crashes, even though it's just a toy train, you know, and he jumps back and it scares him or whatever because he's recalling those those sort of almost nightmarish uh, images. And so then his mother gets the idea to uh, let him use his uh, father's uh, video camera. Uh, well, not video camera. I shouldn't, I'm so used to saying video, but it wasn't video back then. It was it was film mm-hmm. uh, because his dad was a what he was what uh, like a TV and radio repairman. So, something right? along those lines. Yeah, it was like some because uh, they actually had like a whole garage full of. TVs. Yeah. And, yeah, I noticed that. Like uh, he was, he was a technician and sort of an inventor too. Because at some point he, like, he was finding ways to improve mm-hmm. uh, this technology. Oh, and and not only that, but he was a workaholic. Oh like yeah, he, he was definitely a workaholic. Which I, my own father, he is a workaholic. So, <laughs> so I can relate to that too. Um. The, uh, he uh, so he, so he, he borrows his dad's uh, camera, and mm-hmm. his his mother gets the idea to to let him uh, film, uh, you know, a crash, you know, his, his uh, toy trains uh, crashing, because the first time it happens, they kind of got upset with him because they were like, you you know, you just bought this brand new train set, was, and you're like wrecking it, you know, like yeah. you need to take better care of of your things. And so she was like, you, you get, you can crash it one time and you can film it. And then you can go back and watch that as many times as you want. And then it won't be as scary because you'll be in control of the situation. And I think that was, I think that right there probably planted, you know, once he saw that and, you know, filmed that and then he showed it to his family, saw their reactions like, wow, this is, like, really good. This is mm-hmm. just a kid, you know, who's doing this. The birth of a filmmaker right Birth there. of a filmmaker, mm-hmm. yeah. So it was, uh, it was really great to see that, you know, how his journey uh, as a filmmaker got started and then to watch his progression, you know, as he, as he moved into adolescence and becoming a teenager in those, uh, you know, those uh, crucial high school years, uh, when you know when you're learning all of these uh, social norms and trying to get used to that, um, and and I'm sure you have something to add to this too. That um, watching his development as a young filmmaker, you know, it started out as him just gathering his friends and his sisters, you know, together to make these little movies. And they were all initially they were all just doing it to have fun. You know, they were mm-hmm. really having a good time with it. But then he reached this point, you know, as he as he's becoming a teen, you can see the point when he is really starting to become serious about it. Yes. Because he's making this war movie with his friends, and he pulls one of his friends aside and he starts giving him uh, motivation. Yeah. You know. And because before this is not something that, you know, they, they didn't think about his friends were not thinking about performance or what was coming across on the screen, but he wanted to see that emotion from them. So he pulls his friend aside and says, you know, tries to explain the situation. He's like, look, you're, you know, you're in charge of this, 
battalion, all your men have just died. You, know, you, you blame you, yourself for it. Yeah, it, it's, it's your fault. Show me that emotion. Show yeah, you, like you, you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can no longer save them. And, and, and he, as he's describing this, he's starting to tear up himself and then his friend likewise is is starting to show emotion and cry because he he gets it he's like okay you know i can do this now so they go back they shoot the shoot the scene of his friend walking you know through the battlefield you know walking in between all of these dead bodies and and the tears just start streaming down his face and, and and not only that, but he's just so into that scene by that point that he just goes off set. <laughs> he, he keeps he keeps walking, and he's yeah. Uh, Sammy, you know, as a director, he's so enthralled by the performance of his friend is that he's just it, he's forgot that the camera is is still rolling and that his friend is still walking. He's never he hasn't set cut yet. And then you know his one of his other friends leans over to him and says, "Are you gonna are you gonna tell him to stop walking?" And then finally he's you know yelling out and he's like he's like cut cut you know stop you know. But it, I thought that was funny too that he yeah. he that he actually got so caught up in his actor's performance that he forgot that he was directing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, and I I have to say I've probably done that a time or two myself. Yeah. Um, and um yeah it's it's an interesting thing um i i remember um actually filming a, a scene uh, at at my house and uh, and i kind of i kind of overheard my dad talking to someone i don't remember if it was uh my aunt or someone else um but i remember hearing my dad uh, overhearing him uh, him witnessing me directing and uh, saying, I never thought I'd see, you know, him act that way. Like um, he, he's a completely different person when he's directing. That that's the yeah. kind of the sense that that I was hearing. Yeah, um, I uh, you know, that resonates with me too. I think because uh, I enjoy acting so much that uh, you know, there's a part of me that that. Uh, feels freer, I guess, you mm-hmm. know, than I've ever been, you know, when I'm doing that because it's my passion. It's something yeah. that I really enjoy. And so, and performing also allows you to bring out aspects of yourself and your personality that, you know, because you have to put a little bit of yourself into every role that you do. And so it allows you to kind of, in some cases, it can make, it can allow you to be an elevated version of yourself or sometimes you're just playing something that's completely opposite of you and so you get you sort of get to know i guess what maybe what that feels like or yeah kind of yeah getting in touch with a different part of yourself right maybe even a part of yourself that you didn't even know existed yeah uh and that's the great thing about uh entertainment and about performing uh in general uh and i think that's one of the things that always appealed to me about Mm -hmm. Uh, about uh, you know, especially the you know the the screen medium with like movies and TV, uh, but just acting in general. It's just being able yeah. to have fun uh, with those roles. And another thing that is uh, is interesting about, especially with acting, um, I remember reading some sort of research on that. 
And it was that um, actors will... I mean, it's obvious that they crack into their emotions and everything like that. Well, actors are highly emotional because of that. Because they have to be. Um, yeah. So that that's why some actors are actually pretty sensitive is because they need to be. Yeah, it, it's uh, it can kind of be a, like a learned behavior after mm-hmm. a while. Um, for me, I, I have trouble... Uh, like I consider myself to be a sensitive person. I can be emotional when it comes to doing it on camera. And I haven't really had any times when I've really been called to do that much so far. Uh, but it's hard. There are some people who can, you know, cry on cue and, or, Mm uh, the, the joke is, is that, there are some actors that are so good at it that they can look at the director and say, uh, which eye would you like the tear to come out of? <laughs> you know, uh, I've never been that, that good. Uh, yeah. you know, and, uh, even, even trying to think of something in my life, in my past or something that's really sad, it's still hard for me to show that emotion mm-hmm. on camera because I feel like it has to come naturally. It has to come from a real place yeah. Uh, and I feel like the it, actors who do that really well, they do pull yeah. it from from uh, personal experience. In a weird um, kind of, I, it's, it is kind of in a sad way too. You're you're manipulating your emotions. Yeah. Um, which is funny because that's also kind of what the filmmaker does to even the audience is manipulate their emotions. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, Steven Spielberg, but you manipulated me with that trailer. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, um, they're forcing in a way they're, they're forcing your perspective. They're forcing you to see what they want you to see. Mm -hmm. Uh, they want you to feel certain emotions at certain, uh, points in a movie. That's why things like the film score, uh, is, is interwoven within certain uh, scenes in a certain way because they want to evoke a certain emotion. You know, they either want you to be happy and, you know, elated or they want you to be really sad or really like introspective and, and to really try to think about what's going on in the scene. Uh, And, you know, and the visuals and the music uh, and the direction and all of that, you know, plays a part in how you perceive uh, the movie and and everybody can also see it in a different way too. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but getting back to uh, getting back to the Fablemans. Yeah, we uh, kind of went off. Yeah, we kind of went off topic <laughs> a little bit there, as as we're prone to do sometimes. Uh, but uh, so the, the other big thing about this movie, you essentially have uh, as, as you had you and I were talking about this earlier. There are basically two separate stories going on. Mm-hmm. You have Sammy uh, slash Stevens coming of age story and him discovering his love of filmmaking and watching that journey. And then the other story is that this uh, shattering family secret that is brought to life because of his love for filmmaking. Yeah. So his, uh, his mother Mitzi and his father Bert 
you know, they're, they're obviously, I mean, they love each other. They're, you know, they're, they're very close and they, they, you know, love their kids. And, and that's apparent, uh, you know, when watching them interact with each other. But we learn through this uh, as, as Sammy starts to make these little uh, films that uh, his dad's best friend, uh, Benny, uh, who is played by Seth Rogen, uh, in in a role that uh, it, it, I, I had not really seen him, I've not seen him play. do anything outside of comedy. It, it, uh, it's it's really interesting to me seeing him play this this role because it's so um, it it's really really has him shine in it. Yeah, I, I thought I thought he did a you know fantastic job uh, with it. Uh, because, like I said, he he he's he's so known for these uh, screwball kind of raunchy uh, comedies, and to see him actually take a take a stab at a dramatic role, uh, mm-hmm. he, you know, he did a really good job. But he really hasn't done anything like that other than, I mean, the the Green Hornet, you know, was kind of a you know, because it's a superhero movie, so it was it was, was kind of it was more dramatic, I guess, the, but. Yeah. But because but he he made that you know role obviously because it's him you know he mm-hmm. he threw a lot of you know his threw, comedy yeah. you know, spin into it. But anyway, I didn't um, think that was actually all that bad. But a lot of people didn't like yeah, it. I mean, I liked it. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, he uh, so so Benny and uh, Mitzi, uh, which is uh, Sammy's mother. Sammy discovers that the two of them are having an affair. Uh, Benny has been a longtime family friend. He actually uh, looks at him, uh, you know, Sammy looks at him as an uncle and even calls him, you know, Uncle Benny. He's like an honorary uncle. Uh, and, but he starts to notice as he's uh, cutting, you know, editing his films, you know, he's noticing uh, Benny and his mother's interactions with each other and how she looks at him differently then she looks at his father. Mm-hmm. And so he, he has this moment where, which I thought was, uh, was great where he just it, like, you can, you can see the revelation. You can see the light bulb go off in his head and he just like, you know, he just steps back. Like he's, he's jolted by, by this realization that, Oh my gosh, you know, my mother is cheating on, on my father. And I'm sitting here watching it unfold. You know, he's he, he. You know, she all she says that. You know, Benny makes her laugh. That mm-hmm. that's like a that's a big, I guess, selling point for her and why she has a different it, sort it, of it's, relationship. It's very it's very heartbreaking because you can actually see when, once you see you know. And it really is kind of heartbreaking because you you're you're seeing the the that uh, rip apart, but you actually also see that the that uh, Sammy's dad does still love her very much yeah, too. He does. He has a lot of uh, love and respect for her. I had watched an interview where uh, Spielberg's parents were being interviewed together, and they were talking about that. As a matter of fact, um, and. There's a lot of love from uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, father for the mother, even when they were older. Yeah, and um, it was 
it's heartbreaking in a way, but that the but just the amount of love that he had that he even to the you know even for like years or I don't even know maybe even decades he, the father took the blame for the divorce yeah, yeah and, and it was uh yeah it was so gut-wrenching to uh later on in the movie to watch that exchange when 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 the two of them decide to uh to divorce and they're having to explain you know to the kids what's going on and seeing their reactions and they just don't you know the the uh, sammy's sisters especially just don't understand they don't get it they're like i don't know you know if you all still love each other yeah, why you, can't we just keep just why can't you just stay with each other yeah. and, she, and their mother's trying to explain that you know i don't you know, I love your father, but I don't love him the same way that, that I love Benny. Like, she's like, I miss, I miss Benny. Like I need to be with him or I can't be my authentic self is essentially what she's saying. And she's like, you're, you all are going to be getting, um, you know, a very bitter, uh, angry version of me. If I can't, if, if I can't live my life the way that I want to. And of course, you know, there's, as to be expected, you know, they, they're looking at, at her as being selfish, you know, for her decisions, for kind of tearing their family apart. Uh, but ultimately, they end up finding a way to uh, to reconcile with all of that. And uh, even after Sammy's father learns of, of the affair, they, you know, he's still, you can still tell that, that he, you know, loves, loves his wife Mm-hmm. Uh, deeply and, and always will. Um, so, uh, so that's a critical, you know, element of, of the movie as well. And, and of his, you know, it shaped, uh, you know, his development, uh, you know, as a filmmaker. And I think it's probably one of the things that makes him, uh, or, you know, made him such a great filmmaker is because, you know, the, the best things are inspired by personal uh, experience. And so he really gets in touch with people's emotions. And I think that's why uh, so many of his movies tug at the heartstrings yeah. uh, the way they do. Yeah. It's like he, there's, there's, there's like two sides to, to Steven Spielberg. There's the family man, you know, that, like I said, that really uh, tries to touch a chord in everybody uh, and, and, and brings out that emotion. And then there's the, uh, there's the adventurous side of him that, that loves, uh, that loves action, loves adventure, loves heroes. And he certainly made a lot of those uh, kinds of movies as well. that really pump you up. Um, now I do have a a series of, um, uh, quotes. Uh, but before I get to that, I, I want to, I wanted to say some of the, that, majority of what happened in the movie was true was true yeah which which is crazy i mean he his mother actually brought home a monkey oh that was so that that really did happen that happened yeah there is an uncle boris Hmm. um yeah so um like okay so here's the list of the things that were true according to this and of course uh steven spielberg has come out and said that he won't actually state what was false in the movie. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So, but um 
the areas where he took liberties artistic yeah yeah. did he really meet a girl that was a a christian girl that you know vague it's vague so um so uh did spielberg's mom fall for his father friend yes uh did he find out from watching footage yes uh did his mother bring home a monkey yes uh spielberg's mom a concert pianist yes Spielberg date a Christian, unclear. Did he nearly abandon filmmaking? Yes, but not for the reason that was said in the movie. In the movie, it was uh, because of the divorce. Now, that was a liberty. That that was probably the one liberty that was taken because it would have been, it does make it a lot more impactful when he comes right back around. The, uh, especially when you find out that the reason why uh, in reality, he nearly abandoned filmmaking because of the movie. Seeing the movie Lawrence of Arabia was the reason why he almost didn't become a filmmaker because the bar he felt the bar was so high after that movie. And um, I, I would say that the bar was pretty high for that movie. I mean, my goodness, have you seen that movie? I haven't actually. Um, that would have to be one that we we talk about next time. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. I don't. But. Uh, it's a very long movie, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It actually has a, a stopping point, too, so you can be like, I'll, I'll yeah. finish this later. Sort of like so. a, well, yeah, because yeah. back in those days, if you had a really long movie, they used to actually have an intermission, yeah. like kind of at halfway through. Yeah, there, there is an intermission. Yeah. So uh, They don't do intermissions anymore, but they, they certainly do with some of these movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, did Spielberg really meet John Ford? Yes, played by David Lynch in The Fablements. Um, Another great, great scene uh, in the movie. Oh yes, that was. I won't, uh, I won't give. I won't give too much of that away. But oh, it, is, yes, it is a. It is definitely a. I'll just say it's a watershed moment mm-hmm. for uh, Sammy, aka Stephen, and and you know sets sets his feet on um, on the the path to becoming one of the best uh, directors ever, and the advice that he gets yeah. from John Ford uh, in that. So yes. Um, so, um, Spielberg on the movie, he says, uh, I just wanted to tell a story that was completely honest to my recollections. So, uh, to his recollections, meaning that, that he, he, it may not be completely accurate, but it's the best to, of the best of his knowledge it is. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I want to read a few quotes from, uh, some of the characters from the movie and I want to hear what your takes on their quotes are. Sure. So um, one thing, now I'm not for sure that this was actually in the movie, but it was said by Steven Spielberg in an interview, and I just thought it was very impactful. Um, Now, I don't recall if it was in the movie or not, but maybe it was. Guilt is a wasted emotion. Hmm. That's... uh, It's kind of deep right there. It is. I don't know. I don't know if I entirely agree with that um because guilt can speaking from personal experience guilt can be a powerful driving force Mm -hmm. to change you know yeah uh because the thing is i think if you you know if you've done something wrong if you don't feel guilt or remorse Mm -hmm. at all for that Mm -hmm. then there's another problem going on inside yeah. you. Like that's that's what separates good people mm-hmm. from bad people is yeah. having is having guilt, having remorse. If you're 
if you're a spiritual person, for me, I always have looked at, uh, and this is getting off topic, but I've always looked at guilt as uh, God's voice whispering in your ear. Mm, it's oh, like yeah. your conscience. Yeah. So if you don't have guilt, you have no conscience. But anyway, that's getting off topic. Uh, that's kind of my take oh, on Oh, that. no, you're fine. Um, um, for me, I didn't... Re- I was reading it as guilt as a wasted emotion, as in what what what's really being said there to me, anyways, is is not that the you know if you're doing something guilty or anything like that, but um, guilt as in feeling sorry for yourself for going after what you wanted in life, mm. which yeah. is entirely different than yeah, doing could, something bad. Been, yeah, I could have know? meant that in yeah. a different way. Yeah, but uh, that 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 was my takeaway with that quote. Um, now, um, now this is from the movie. Now, these are all, this is quotes from Mitzi, uh, Steven Spielberg's mm-hmm. mom. Um, you do what your heart says you have to because you don't owe anyone your life, not even me. Yeah, I did, I did like that quote, actually. Mm. You know, that, um, you know, that it, it's, it's a, it's a tough thing because, you know, to to say something like that, it, it almost sounds selfish because mm-hmm. essentially you're saying, you know, like, you know, your your life ultimately is is what is what matters. Like you like you have to whatever it is, like you have to make yourself happy like, n- you know, no one else can do that for you so in that sense you know you don't owe anybody else your life or you or you don't um you know if if you're unhappy like you're not you're not obligated to uh to be with somebody or you know whatever it is just for the sake of you know keeping keeping them happy uh so like but then there's another aspect to that where I don't know, like um, you, you do have to consider other people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's and it's a hard thing to do because as humans we're just naturally selfish beings anyway. We're kind of designed to be that way. Yeah. So, so putting others ahead of yourself is is one of the hardest things to do. Uh, but if you can do that. You know, then uh, I think that that sets you apart from, uh, you know, from everybody else. And uh, again, it's part of, you know, like, you know, you can you can be a good person, but you know, if you're able to consider others more valuable than yourself, then it puts you in a different category, puts you in a different level. Uh, but but again, I, I thought that that quote was uh, was really impactful. Now uh, this quote, I, I think everyone's heard this one from someone um everything happens for a reason yeah that that was uh and uh and i do i do believe that myself yeah Uh, i'm sure you do too i I don't think i don't think it's and it's that saying has become kind of cliche now but it's true i like i think it's true um i i i just i don't think there are coincidences in Mm -hmm. life i really don't 
I, I uh, believe that any good thing happens for a reason. Any bad thing happens for a reason. Uh, anything that is terrible in your life that has happened, well, it happened for a reason because it may actually be leading to something good. Right. Um, good things can come from bad things. Bad things can come from good things. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's another one that's that's uh, great. And now for the the big uh, the big quotes, the ones that really got me thinking here. Now uh, these come from Uncle Boris. Now uh, in the movie, uh, they're they're visited by their uncle Boris, who is this uh, very thick accented uh, gentleman, who is kind of like uh, the one person that you you can't really read all that well. You you don't know where they're coming from. He kind of had to uh, lean in a lot on his dialogue because of the mm-hmm. his accent was so thick, you know, yeah. and, and you know because like you know that he's yeah. saying something that is really, you know, meaningful, but you're kind of having to try to you know yeah. pull that and uh, and he's played by uh, Judd Hirsch, uh, who yes. is a great, uh, he's a terrific actor, uh, uh, goes all the way back to for me the the first thing I ever. Uh, saw him in was a tv series called taxi yes uh, yeah in the 70s and 80s which was a great show but yeah yeah that had uh, him in it that was with uh also christopher lloyd and da- tony danza uh, yeah tony danza uh, jeff conaway danny devito there danny so devito many yeah. on that show but anyway yeah um so. but um okay now um family art It'll tear you. It'll. It will tear you in two. Yeah, that was good. The the that dichotomy between, uh, you know, your family and the people you love, and your love for the art. Mm-hmm. You know, your love for entertainment, uh, yeah. and it has. Uh, the truth is, is that that has ripped a lot of families apart. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Sometimes. Sometimes pursuing your passions is uh, is risky, uh, and uh, I, I think there was uh, you may have that in there too. I think there was kind of a quote about that too, where he talked about uh, about Sammy and, and what he was wanting to do, kind of being a little dangerous. Like he compared it to mm. being yeah, yeah. Here it is: um, art will give you crowns in heaven and laurels on earth, but also. It will tear your heart out and leave you lonely. You'll be a Shanda for your loved ones. An exile in the desert. A gypsy. Art is no game. Art is dangerous. As a lion's mouth. It'll bite your head off. Yep. That was uh, pretty pretty profound. Mm-hmm. You know, hadn't really heard it you know, put into words quite like that. that. That was very powerful. Like when I heard that, I was like... It all makes sense now. It all makes sense why some of your family members don't understand why you're going through this. You know, um, we're we're junkies. Art is our drug. Yep, I I, I totally can uh, resonate, uh, or that resonates with me, uh, because uh, because it is like, uh, per, especially on the performing side, like you know, performing is, is a high. There's, um, there's nothing quite like, you know, 
working on a project and then seeing the finished result with an audience and seeing their reaction, you know, hearing their laughter, you know, when, when you say something funny, uh, you know, or, or crying, you know, when, you know, when you're crying, uh, you know, cheering, you know, at something that, you know, where, uh, where, you know, you're having this really victorious, you know, moment, you know, in the film. And, uh, and I think that performance just impacts people in that way, uh, to where you just really get invested in it, uh, emotionally. And, uh, and the same thing with performing live, you know, there's nothing like, you know, actually hearing that and that response in real time, you know, if you're doing a play or, or something like that. Uh, so I totally get that. I totally get that, that rush, the feeling that you get from having someone else appreciate, uh, what, what you've done. And, and we see that in this film when Sammy shows his, uh, his war film to all of his friends and family and they screen it, you know, yeah. at a theater and he actually he, poked holes in the film to make it look like <laughs> that was, yeah, that, yeah. I thought that was great. It's like, cause he, he thought that the, uh, the gunfire looked fake He's like, you know, I, I have to find a way to make this look better. And so in the finished film, you know, you see all these flashes, like uh, like muzzle flashes, you know, coming out of the guns. And his dad asks him, like, how did you how did you do that? How did you make the guns look like they were firing? And he said, I literally just poked a hole in the film, the physical, you mm-hmm. know, film. Uh, because for those who don't know, who are unaware of this, because these days, I mean the majority of uh, we're, we're living in a digital age. So, you know, most films are, are done digitally now, but, uh, but, you know, back in the old days, uh, the good old days, I guess as you could say, you know, when, when movies were done on a film, you literally had to take these strips of film. And when you wanted to edit them, you had to, you had to, you know, run them through this machine and then you had to cut the film literally cut the film in exactly the spot where you wanted to make that edit and then glue the film back together so that when you ran the film, everything, uh, you know, just the transition was, was smooth and you, yeah. you know, you made these, you know, jumps from one, one shot, you know, one scene to another. Very, so, very uh, tedious process, but yeah. I'd, I'd imagine it once it was done, it probably felt just as good. Yeah. I, I remember reading, um, and in an interview uh, with Steven Spielberg where he talked about that, talked about those scenes, and which, of course, were true. And, uh, and he said that he misses that now. He actually misses the process of, of going through those films himself and actually, you know, editing them, cutting them. And, uh, you know, so he said that was, a, a, you know, an instrumental part in, in what, you know, made him love filmmaking so much was just because he was so immersed into every uh aspect of it uh but uh but yeah that that you know i'm glad that you included uh, not all those quotes but i'm glad that you included uh the you know the trying to separate the fact from the fiction and and, and you know telling everyone you know because you know for those who want to watch the movie uh, it's helpful to know when you're dealing with something that's supposed to be based on a true story, you often want to know, you know, how much of it is true, which things are true yeah. and, and which are not. 
So I'm glad you, uh, you, you know, uh, chose to, to make some notes on that because I didn't know myself which, which parts of the story were true. I know that from reading articles and interviews uh, with Steven Spielberg, you know, even though most of the uh, descriptions of the film say that it's loosely based on his life, but from hearing him talk about it, it sounds like there's a whole lot more fact than there yeah. is fiction. Uh, the biggest fiction being that he just changed all of the names of you know, of everyone in the film, uh, probably not only for their uh, you know protection or whatever, uh, because you know dealing with very personal things, but as you said, to to keep him from seeming a little bit too narcissistic, like you know everybody knows who it's supposed to be about, so he doesn't have to be that. Uh, obvious with it mm-hmm. uh, and a co- couple of other things worth mentioning um, that I thought uh, were interesting was uh, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, bullying that goes on in the film which I'm sure a lot of other people can identify with uh, a lot of anti-semitism uh, mm-hmm. which he experiences because you know he's Jewish and um and, and, and there's some pretty raw moments, uh, and, you know, dealing with those bullies at school and, and the way they talk to him and the names they call him. And, you know, he gets beaten up uh, a lot. And, uh, but the funny thing is, so he gets chosen to direct uh, a film for their uh, senior, the, his high school's senior ditch day where all of the seniors basically skip school for a day and go to the beach and have fun and whatnot. So, so he gets tasked with uh, filming uh, all of that and putting together a little movie, uh, which he ends up debuting at uh, prom, the senior prom. And the, the ironic thing is that the, the two, the, there was two guys that really like, I guess, bullied him, you know, the yeah. most that they were both friends or whatever, but I mean, they really just gave him so much crap throughout the movie. But then he shows this film and the, one of the, you know, the, I guess one of his main bullies, yeah. uh, because he, well, he catches him one day, he catches the bully cheating on his girlfriend. He, he catches him kissing another girl in the hallway and, and, and he tells, tells the, the tells his, uh, girlfriend girlfriend about it mm-hmm. she breaks up you know with the guy and so then from then on he's like he's really got it in you know for Sammy so anyway he shows this film and it makes you know uh, I'm trying to t- I've got to look up the character's name here um, uh, Logan that's it Logan, Logan is, is is the bully uh, and so he makes Logan look like a hero in this film. You know, they have this, uh, this, uh, race, this foot race on the beach. Yeah, he, he, and he's like, he, he's in slow motion. He's like, he's breaking, breaking through the tape at the end. He's won the race. And, yeah. you know, he's like looking around, you know, putting very his hands heroically on his hips and, and looking very heroic and you know, with his blonde hair, like blowing in the, in the wind. And so Logan becomes emotional 
watching this. You know, he starts he, he, to cry. He, he's not understanding. You know, I've been I've been mean to you. Yeah, what, he doesn't what, get it. What, he he confronts uh, he confronts Sammy afterwards. He confronts him in the hall, and he's more he's like, why would you why would you do that? Like he's mad. You know, I'm like he just made you look like a hero, but you're mad, and but it's because he doesn't understand it. He's like, mm-hmm. I've basically tortured you for the entire time that I've known you. Why would you want to make me look so good? And, and he, and he, he's I thought his even, response to that was, was great. Yeah, and, and the truth is, is that the bully is not really mad at him for what he did. He's mad at himself now because of what he did to him. Yeah. He did. Yeah. It was that, that realization. Like, yeah, I like I've been, I've been a jerk, you know, I, I've treated you horribly. And, you know, he asked, when he asked him why, I, I thought Sammy's response to that was great. Was He was like, it's like, I don't know, maybe I just wanted you to be nice to me for five minutes. He said, or maybe it was just a movie. I don't know, you know, but mm-hmm. I thought that was great. Uh, and, uh, and, but ultimately they bond because uh, the, the other bully, uh, give me just a second and. See if I can. What was his name? Chad. Yeah, Chad. So the other bully, Chad, uh, he come he comes into he, he comes into the scene. Uh, and while he, he actually was looking like an idiot in the movie. Yeah, he yeah. made him. Yeah, he made him look like a total idiot. Like he was walking around the beach drunk and and you know trying to hit on all these girls and. Uh, which is and, which, in all honesty, he he was just filming the truth. Honestly. Is what it, it, that that's yeah. probably what was actually happening. Like, as he said, he said, he, maybe I can't I just, help it. He said the camera saw what it saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and uh, but yeah, he comes in and confronts him and like charges toward him because he's made him look like a total fool. And Logan ends up punching him out. You know, like this this was his friend who you know his uh, his co bully. Uh, right. suddenly the tables have turned and he's, and, you know, and so he, he protects, he ends up protecting Sammy uh, because of what he's done for him. And they have this great little, you know, bonding moment where, you know, he offers him, you know, he's smoking, offers him a cigarette and, and uh, you know, and they just sort of, you know, as they part ways, uh, it, it's like there's this kind of playful mm-hmm. uh, moment where, uh, you know, He's, I, I forgot what Logan said. He said something about, you know, like, uh, like more or less like he didn't, he didn't deserve to look like that in the film. Yeah. And, and then Sammy's like, well, in the end, you still got the girl, didn't you? And then he, you know, he like playfully, he like flips him off and then mm-hmm. Sammy flips him off. And like, you, you know, that they're going to end up being uh, friends after that, you know, which is pretty cool. I do hope that that was true. Because I, um, just there's something great about actually, you know, fixing, you know, what, what's wrong between two people. You yeah, know? there's there's something about that, the power of uh, of forgiveness and of uh, of reconciliation and 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 just showing that you know, that the human spirit can triumph. And I think that's a message in a lot of Steven Spielberg's movies mm-hmm. is that people can change. And, uh, and, you know, that was a great, 
really great example of that. And, you know, I'd like to think that that was true, too. That, that was M- Maybe it was, because he did add in the line there, maybe I'll just put you in one of my movies in the future. Right, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, because well, yeah, he was like, don't ever tell anybody about this. Don't ever tell anybody about this exchange, more or less. Like, don't tell people that I was crying and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. He's like, oh, he's like, I, you know, I, I would never do that. And he's like, or maybe I'll just put it in one of my movies. You know, it was like a yeah, little tongue little in cheek, there. maybe. Uh, and the other, another thing that I thought was, this was just funny to me. But, uh, you know, I'm assuming this was probably true as well, uh, or partially true. But uh, Sammy ends up falling in love uh, with... Uh, this uh, girl uh, in high school, uh, Monica, uh, played by Chloe East, which I thought she did a really uh, a great job at the way that she mm-hmm. uh, played this this character. But but she comes from a very religious family. Uh, or she's a Christian, Christian. Yeah. so you have you have you know a Jewish somebody who's Jewish yeah. dating someone who's Christian, yeah. and two very different views on on uh, you know on that religion and, and it's very were, funny is it is there is that a quote in the movie or is that in a different movie i can't recall um where she's like uh um well i'm jewish and she's like well, jesus was a jew <laughs> so yeah it's uh <laughs> and and the, and and the other guys the bullies and stuff at, at one time are like like when they're uh calling him names and stuff you know they they call him a christ killer and and all of this yeah it's just Uh, but I thought that when they kind of, when, when that moment, when she realizes that she likes him and there's that one scene where they're in her bedroom, uh, it was, it was comical because, uh, she, she has all these posters on her walls of like teen, teen idols. Yeah singers and actors and people like that and but then in the in the midst of it there's a jesus there's all these portraits of of (laughs) jesus and at one point she even says uh jesus is sexy and And that yeah that that made me raise my eyebrow a little bit there i was like okay something there's something off about this girl like (laughs) as like that's that's the, the a, way that's she a little is, bit that's yeah. a little bit blasphemous, you know, to say like Jesus is sex. So it's almost like I she think even she has an unhealthy unhealthy view of Jesus, and it's almost like she is, uh, you know, obsessed with him the way that you would be obsessed with like a favorite singer or you know, like a boy or band or yeah yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, I don't. Think I think you're I think to that even lust after. <laughs> I mean, you could see it in Sammy's eyes there too. He was like. Really? That, yeah. Isn't that? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was a really fun uh, little scene, and seeing the the differences be- between them, uh, and uh, and then ultimately it it you know it doesn't end up working out. You know he he thinks that he's really in love with her and wants to marry her and all, and, and but ultimately we learn that that on her end is mm-hmm. just a it's just a surface. Yeah. A shallow relationship. She even tells him she's like, you know, well, you know, I'm I'm going to college at uh, yeah, Texas A and M. You're going to California. This relationship is never going to work out. Uh, and she's like, you're you're a fun a fun boy to kiss and all that. But but it's like she, she doesn't want a serious relationship she, with him. Uh, he asks she uh, he asked her to marry him. Also at the very end there. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, that that was the tipping point, I'd say, where she actually revealed all what you just said there. It's like, you know, it's just you're basically just a fling. So, but the uh, and I can't I can't be with you because uh, because you're you're so focused on what you're you have a really good pathway. I can't be with you because right. I'm going a different direction. Yeah, going different directions, which is a, a parallel with a lot of people's lives mm-hmm. too. We've all experienced that, where you're you're with somebody and and then you just reach a point where you realize, you know what, we're we're not on the same page. We're not heading in different directions. We don't want the same things out of life. And at the time, it may seem heartbreaking, but ultimately, you realize that that was for the best. Yeah. Uh, so so the film uh, the film concludes. With about a year after Sammy graduates from high school, uh, and he has written countless letters to film studios, TV studios, trying to get work uh, as a director. He finally he's gotten rejected a lot. He finally gets a letter from CBS uh, to come in for an interview, and the guy that uh, that he speaks with. Uh, tells him that, you know, basically tells him, you know, he, he loves his letters and, you know, he thinks he's got promise. He doesn't really have anything at the time that he can uh, offer him. But he said, you know, he says, would you like to meet one of the greatest directors of all time? He said his office is just across the hall. So, of course, you know, Sammy says, you know, yeah, you know, what, well, you know, that would, I would love that. And uh, so he, takes him over to the office and who we soon learn that the director he's speaking about is John Ford, uh, who directed countless, uh, he, he was mostly associated with the Western genre. He directed so many classic John Wayne, uh, films mm-hmm. and was known for being a, a very, um, you know, uh, revolutionary, you know, sort of director. He had a, he had a, a unique method, uh, about him and, but people really respected him, you know, for, you know, for what he did. So anyway, you just have to see the scene. I won't, uh, I won't attempt to quote it because I will not do it justice, (laughs) Uh, but it's a great way to end the film because Sammy slash Steven gets to meet one of his heroes and John Ford gives him an unforgettable piece of advice uh, in that scene and Sammy walks away from that meeting with his head lifted high, his shoulders lifted up, and he's just he's walking among these buildings at the TV studio, and it's like he's realizing that this is mm-hmm. this is my destiny. This is where this is... I was meant to be. And and it, and it all accumulates. Uh, it all um, accumulates to uh, this. Uh, great ordeal of a filmmaker that is still one of probably like one of the most influential today um and i have to say this the crazy thing about the the movie here is is that the other interesting thing is is that it does not paint hollywood in the light of this is like the you know anyone can make it or you know something like that right it actually paints the truth. Yeah, and it, yeah, I, I like that as well. That because so many movies 
and, and the kind of movies that we grew up with, uh, you know, they they did have a tendency to glamorize Hollywood and to kind of make this like, well, you know, anybody anybody can make it out here. But there are several scenes that that you know uh, dispel that myth. Mm-hmm. I like, saying, you know, this this business will tear you apart. It's not, yeah. you know, it, it's not. They're very. In the grand scheme of things, there are very few people that really achieve a high level of stardom. Mm-hmm. There are plenty more people out there that are like, you know, on closer to the bottom of the scale that what I would call the blue collar uh, workers of of acting. The ones who like they stay busy. You know, they're working actors. But they never achieve that level of fame. Someone like a director like Steven Spielberg, uh, or uh, or Ivan Reitman, or uh, you know, so many other directors that that I could think of that you know that we admire. And same thing with performers. You know, there's very few actors that reach the level of of a Tom Hanks. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so we, it's when you think about it. It's like wow, you know that that really is true. You know, yeah. there's uh, there's very few, and it and it comes in cycles. You know, like every every actor has a shelf life. You know, yeah. they, there's going to come a period where they're going to stop, and someone else is going to come in and fill that you know that role. But what, what I get from this movie is is that it's actually saying this is this will. Um, I mean, it's said constantly throughout the movie this lifestyle will hurt. But if it's your passion, if it is what you truly desire, go for it. You gotta go for it. It's worth, it's worth the risk, you know, but, uh, but anyway, uh, we are just about out of time uh, for today. Uh, But uh, before we go, I just want to remind everyone to uh, also check out our Patreon page. Uh, that's where you can go to support the podcast. Uh, it, certainly you can support us by watching, listening to us, uh, giving us your feedback uh, and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, Patreon provides you with a platform where you can actually provide a different type of support for us uh, because we want to make this the best podcast that it can possibly be. Uh, we want to be able to to branch out and to, uh, to, to, you know, bring you more content, you know, unique types of content. Uh, we would at some point like to be able to have special guests on the show with us. That's certainly in the pipeline. Uh, but you know, every, every dollar that you donate on Patreon goes towards the podcast goes towards things like production costs, uh, you know, getting, uh, better equipment and things like that. Being able to uh, being able to do things visually uh, that we might not be able to do otherwise, you know, with what we have right now. So definitely go on there and check that out. We have a lot of different membership levels on there. Uh, everything from five dollars a month up to a hundred dollars a month, and we give you something in return for that contribution. There's a lot of really cool benefits on there. Uh, we think they're cool anyway. I, you know, I don't know if, if you will, but, uh, but certainly, uh, I think there, there are some things that 
that we feel would be uh, worth your worth your while, uh, it, you know, if you want to help us out there. So uh, next week, next week we're going to shake things up a little bit. Uh, we've primarily been talking about movies uh, up to this point, uh, but uh, we, you know, we have promised that this is an all-purpose entertainment podcast, and so we want to, you know, to kind of delve into a lot of different topics within that uh, within that uh, subject matter so uh, so next week will be our first celebrity profile uh, the first of many uh, but next week we will be talking about uh, the one and only the tremendously talented uh, the one-of-a-kind Dan Aykroyd uh, who is uh, one of our favorite uh, actors has been for a very long time and uh, has certainly uh, influenced uh, each of us uh, in in different ways and uh, so we're going to devote uh, a whole episode uh, to his career so you're not going to want to miss that I'm really excited about it uh, but uh, until then uh, we hope everyone stays safe out there and uh, we hope you'll join us again uh, next week uh, for this very special episode. Uh, but until then, take care of yourselves, be good to yourselves, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> you dipstick. <laughs>